Praise and Worship is a community of people in Branson, Missouri, who are gathering, growing, being encouraged, and sharing with others the love and hope of Jesus. Learn more online at branson.church. Why would God tell his servant to be unfaithful? That's, that's the question. And this question, I mean, you can say, well, the answer is right there in verse 2. He, because the land was unfaithful. Yeah, yeah. But why would God want to carry out such an extreme example, such a dramatic expression of this? And it causes, has caused commentators, if you open up, you know, if you put out a series of books out on the table on commentaries on Hosea, it's, it's kind of actually a sport. It became a sport of mine to see which sort of gymnastics they would try to do to say, oh, well, he didn't really mean that. And you always, if you're around me for more than five or 10 minutes, somebody be like, let us hear what the Bible says. Don't try to immediately say, well, it doesn't mean that. Well, what does it say? What does it actually say? What does God's word say? And quite frankly, I'm not interested in what it says so much in terms of, of, of 2,000 or in this case, 25, 3,000 years ago. I'm interested in what it says to you today. I'm interested in what it does to you and me today. And so we're going to dive in and we're going to get to work on this because I'm going to, I'm going to push very hard to convince and to make the case it has very much to say for you and me today. Hosea chapter 1, verse 2. We're going to put these on the screen. We're going to zoom in on some words, and we're going to ask questions. And we're going to see what the Lord does. It says, the Lord said to Hosea, go and take your wife, yourself a wife of whoredom. And I would have loved to have been in the ESV. This is the ESV translation. I would have loved to have been in their committee meetings when they're like, what English word do we put there? Go and take for yourself a wife who is a prostitute. A wife who has been unfaithful, a woman who has been considered damaged goods by her society, a wife who doesn't honor her promises, a wife who rejects her vows, and who seems to be motivated by everything that is wrong. That's what that word means. And let's let it speak. Let's let it say what it says. And then I, and he does this up there, I want you to have children with her. Children who are in this same realm of not being faithful and of not honoring God's word and of not honoring his will and of ignoring everything that has been spoken and said up to this time. And I, and I wanted you to do this because the land has done this. The land commits great prostitution. The land sells her body out to those who do not care for her by forsaking Yahweh, the Lord. This is what God says to Hosea. I want you to go do this. Now, he's done this before. Um, if you read Isaiah, you'll eventually get to the point where God tells Isaiah, I want you to walk around naked for like a year. It's actually longer than that. And everybody's like, what? And, and you, you know, I'm not even going to tell you what happens in the opening chapters of Ezekiel. And so, <laughs> you know, if you do a little Bible reading, you know, those of those Ezekiel scholars here go, yeah, don't go, don't go there, Mark. But the point is, is that, is that God sort of has this thing where he wants to demonstrate because sometimes people need to wake up and realize what's going on, to realize what's important, to realize what God has called us to, to realize 
His promises are for you and for me right now. And, and yet we live in a world which is, going, which is essentially saying, nah, <laughs> we, we don't want that. I can't believe in a God that would. I won't believe in a God that would. I'm not going to go for it, man. I'm not going to go for it, pal. You can yip and you can yap all you want to in your little pulpit. But it's a really nice one, by the way. Thank you, Rosemary and Charlie. And so whatever it might be, the whole point is, is that people will just be like, nah, right? We live in a land of whoredom. Let's just let it say what it says. You'd be like, Mark, this is about Israel. This isn't about America, which I would say, yep, that's right. <laughs> we live in a land of whoredom. We do. And we all know this to be true. It's not news. It is news, but it's not fake news. This is the truth, right? And it's, it, it's, we need to become aware of that. And see, our response to it is where we get in trouble. Everybody agrees that it's all a mess. What we don't agree on is how to fix it. Welcome to the American political scene. A polarized nation that just absolutely calls each other names and, and, and bites and, and scratches at each other. And, they're, and they'll be like, we need to have unity. And then there isn't any because we don't actually want unity. We just want to prove our side is right. You and I want to prove that our side is right. And let us confess that sin to God our Father. Let us confess it to Him because you and I want to prove our side is right. And you know what? It might be. That's not the point today. The point today is that how do we respond to a, to a world, to a land that has found itself in whoredom? How do we respond to a particular community? Maybe it's where we work. Maybe it's where we go to school. Maybe it's all of the above that has given itself to whoredom. How do we respond to a family that might have given itself to whoredom on one level or another? All of us are in the same boat. There's no such thing as someone who is righteous on their own. Romans chapter 3. Not one person on this great green earth. Not one person. Except for Jesus. <laughs> Except for Jesus. He's the one. And what we have to do is we have to see where this takes us. See where these words take us. Take a look verses four through eight. Now, what I've done is I've summarized those verses so we can look at the facts of the scene because we need to know the story of Hosea. We need to know the context because when we know the context, what we're going to start to see is, oops, that's kind of like ours. That's kind of like our context. Gomer had a son whom the Lord said to name Jezreel. Now, you and I don't know anything about Jezreel unless you do love to read the book of 2 Kings. And if you don't, I would encourage you to do so. You'll find all about Jezreel. And Jezreel is this place where great, terrible things happened by this king named Jehu. Now, Jehu in Hebrew would be pronounced Yehu. Whenever I say I'm a Yehu that's yapping, I shouldn't say that anymore because Jehu was a bad guy, right? He was one of these guys. He thought he was doing good. He thought he was honoring God. Now, isn't this interesting? He thought he was honoring God. And what did he actually do with his capabilities? He slaughtered people in the land of Jezreel, murdered them in cold blood, all because he thought he was honoring the word of Yahweh, the word of the Lord. And, you know, when, we, when, when, when the people of this time would have read calling a person Jezreel, this is what they would have thought of. Now, we have an event in our country, in our community, 
that if you named a child this, it would, it would, it would get your attention. Imagine naming a child 9-11 because that's what the name Jezreel meant to them. It was a similar kind of meaning that carried an entire story along with it. Now, it's different. It wasn't the king who did the slaughtering. Here we had terrorists doing the slaughtering, but it was the same kind of thing. It was, it was an, an unmitigated attack on innocent people or people that had no, no knowledge of what was going on. We're all, we mentioned we're all struggling with sin. The point is, is that Jezreel was this place. What's ironic is that just like Jezreel was a word that meant bad things to them because of what had happened at Jezreel, 9-11, before 9-11, we could say, well, it's 9-1-1, man. That's when you, that's who you call when you're in trouble, right? You know, it, it was a completely different kind of number for us. It was a different kind of message. If you named someone 9-11 prior to 2001, they'd be like, what are you naming them after like the people who come save you? Is it like an EMT or you're trying to grow up a, a rescue worker, a, a policeman? What is it? What are you doing? We would have thought something completely different. And it's ironic because Jezreel in Hebrew means God sows. L on the end of any word in Hebrew is, is God. In this case, Jezreel is this idea of he's, he's making a place fertile. He's planting. He's doing something. And of course, God who knows all things for all time, he was planting something on that day. And so we live in a land where we just honored and we're never going to forget. And a little bit later today, we'll pray for all the people who are involved with 9-11. We will never forget that day. And we bring it up here without irony or with irony as well, because that day is a reminder of what happens when we just ignore problems. <laughs> we just, there's nothing there. You know, it's just, don't worry about it. Right? And here, Jezreel was an example of a land who had ignored God. She had a daughter, he says, to be named Lo-Ruhamah. Lo-Ruhamah, which means no mercy. Lo is the Hebrew word none, nada, zilch, right? No mercy. And so, and so God wants them to like meet this gal. And when you meet her, what's her name? No mercy. I mean, Matt, you know, we actually, we know people who are named Grace. There's not as many people named Mercy, but we know people who are named Grace. So we kind of, you know, you can, what if you met someone named No Grace? You know, you just be like, wait, what? See, it would, it would trigger, it would trigger some thinking there. She had another son to be named Lo Ami. Not my people. Not my people. Zero. No way. Not my people. And you're like, what is God doing? Is he, God must be really mad. <laughs> There's a, yeah, news alert. And so when you and I find ourselves in this situation and we learn the context of Hosea, I want you to see something from a different context. First Peter chapter 2, verse 10. Because this story of Hosea doesn't end in the, in the, in the, in the, with the people of Israel. Look at this. This is the, the apostle Peter, hundreds of years later, writing in view of Jesus, writing to people who were not children of Abraham, who were not descendants of the house of Israel or the house of Judah, for that matter. They were, they were just people scattered all over. He even calls them sojourners or exiles in chapter 1. And here in chapter 2, he says, Once, quoting directly from Hosea, you were not a people. You were low of me. No. But now, you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy... But now, 
You have received mercy. He's saying this to the people who didn't even know who Hosea was. Knew nothing about the story. He's saying it to you and to me. I'm reminded of a story that Matt Chandler told. I, I shared this with Johnny a few weeks ago. Um, a story Matt Chandler told about a time when he and his buddies, they were, in, you know, they were in their teens and they were doing campus ministry and stuff like that where they were at. And they were, um, they were kind of excited because some of their buddies had put a band together and they were going to like rock out at this campus event that night. And so they, they and he, there's this one gal who didn't really know Jesus. She didn't really know the Bible. She didn't know anything about any of this. And he wanted to, he wanted to well, first of all, he knew she'd like the music. And so he was like, you need to come listen to the music. And then he was hoping maybe she would hear some good news while, while she was there. So he invites her, right? And he brings her to this thing. And, and sure enough, the band plays the opening set. and It was really good. And, 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 and then in the, there's this intermission and this preacher strolls out. This preacher strolls out during the intermission. And he, and he has in his hand a rose. And, and, and he says, um, he goes, look at this thing. Look at the, just the pristine beauty of God's design of this rose. And he, he says, here, he, he, he reaches out to the crowd. He says, take this, pass that around. Show everybody this rose. And so they begin to pass the rose around. And he starts talking about sexual purity. And, and Matt's just kind of, his head kind of drops down because he's like, I wanted her to hear about Jesus. I wanted her to hear the good news. And here he's just going to do this kind of fire and brimstone thing. And, 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 you know, and, the, and he's just, he's just kind of lathering up, you know, like a good preacher would do, so to speak. And he's lathering up and he's really talking about how if you're sexually impure, you know, you know, all this stuff's going to happen and God's going to be mad at you and everything. And then all of a sudden, you know, he's ready for his big crescendo and is like, he's going to let the hammer drop. Up, and all of a sudden he goes, hey, where's that rose? Where's that rose? And so they start you know, quickly handing it back up to the stage and he grabs it up and now he shows the rose to everyone and the petals are falling off and the stem is like jacked up and cracked and, and everything's just, it's just kind of, it's just like a wilting. And he goes, look at this. Who would want this? That was his big crescendo to say sexual immorality was so terrible because look how damaged that rose was. And Matt, who was, he was young, he wasn't yet ready to be a preacher yet. And he, did, he goes, I couldn't articulate the words, but he goes, what I wanted to do, if I could have, is I would have stood up and I would have shouted at the top of my lungs, Jesus wants that rose. Once you were not a people. Once you had no mercy. Now you and I, we're God's people. And if we are like that rose and we're jacked up and we're damaged goods or whatever the world wants to call us, whatever even some self-righteous preacher wants to call us, do you see this? Do you see this? God says to Hosea, go take a prostitute. Go do it. Absolutely break the law because I want you to see how I feel about you, about my people. They reject me. They rebel against me. They ignore me. I say, go love your neighbor. And they like, that person's a Democrat. How could I love them? I say, go love their neighbor. And they say, that person's a Republican. How could I love them? They're idiots, right? And we just keep on and it just on it goes. Let's love our neighbor. Let's be serious about this. Let's honor the fact that they were made in God's image, even if we don't agree with them. Let us go and follow the Lord Jesus Christ. Because you know what? Because no matter how jacked up they are, 
No matter how much their stem is broken and their petals are falling off and how much they have prostituted themselves out to lies, you and I have too. Whether it's symbolic or literal, and of course you know me, I'm going to say yes, it's both. We are God's people. Once you were not a people, Peter says to the people who were in fact not a people. But now you are God's people. I want you to read with me Matthew chapter 1, verses 20 and 21. Joseph, son of David. This is, again, context, forgive me. The angel has come to Joseph, okay? The angel has come to Joseph. And I'm sorry, guys, there's just a lot of st- stuff about sex today. Just, just get over it, right? Turn your, gasp, turn your gasper off. We're just going to talk about sex. And so what's going on is Joseph, son of David, he, the, the angel had to come tell Joseph, it's okay, don't divorce Mary because she got pregnant in a very special way. And Joseph's like, yeah, sure she did. There's only one way people get pregnant, right? And Mary's pregnant. I'm going to divorce her quietly because I don't want her to get stoned. Because in their culture, if you got knocked up outside of wedlock, game on, brother. You're going to get in trouble, big trouble. So he was trying to like protect Mary. And, 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 and so it was so much, he was so convinced of it. God had to send an angel to him. And look what the angel says to Joseph, the son of David. Joseph, the son of David. Joseph, the son of David. Do not fear to take Mary as your wife for what that which is conceived in her is actually from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son. And here, let's talk about what he is named. Let's talk about what he is named. You shall call his name. And in English, we say it as Jesus. We, our best guess is the, that what, what Joseph would have heard that day is Yeshua, which would be an Aramaic way of saying Yahweh saves. And that's the language that Joseph spoke. Yahweh saves. The Lord saves. So you know how we, we mentioned that, that these children's names were Jezreel or 9-11, right? Or no mercy or you're not my people. Now we have someone's name who is the Lord saves. And who does he save? Who does he save? I'm going to take you to a moment in the story of the gospel of John, John chapter 8. And this, this, this woman is caught in adultery. This is where our phrase, she was caught with her pants down, comes from, just so we're all clear. Okay? She was caught in the act of adultery. She was having sex with someone she shouldn't have been having with. And they drag her to Jesus. They drag her in a most embarrassing, they're treating her just like that preacher treated the rose. And they drag her there and they say to her, what should we do with this? And what does Jesus say? He says, you know, actually, well, actually what he did first is he drew in the ground. Right, and I, for, I mean, I want the Instagram of that picture. I want to see what he drew in the ground. We don't have it, but if he ever starts an Instagram account, that should be the first picture. And so, what what happened is, is that he drew on the ground, and then he got up and he he looked at the people, and he said, "I'll tell you what, you who is without sin, you cast the first stone. You who is without sin, he or she who is without sin. In this case was all the fellas because it was the elders and whatever." You who is without sin, you cast the first stone. And as the story unfolds, the, the oldest ones, <laughs> I find that interesting, the oldest ones, they left first. And then a little bit later, the younger ones left. They sort of dropped their rocks and they walked away. And then he, he who is without sin, 
He who is without sin looked her in the eye and he said, neither do I condemn you. This is the heart of our Savior, the heart of who we call our Lord. And so how dare we be the people who condemn those around us? We are not called to be condemners. We are called to be gospelers, to tell you about the man who was born in the manger to save his people from their sins. This is Jesus the Christ, the Lord Almighty, who has come to this earth to save us Listen to him. Hear his voice. Because he calls you and I to look at our neighbors, all the despicable ones, all the deplorable ones. Oh yes, those are political terms. Right, I get it. I don't care. Let us be political about who is actually in charge of the universe. His name is Christ Jesus our Lord, which means he has come to save. And who has he come to save? Even those who have prostituted themselves out. Even you and me who fall into the trap. Guys, I'm, when I say you, I'm talking about me too. Because guess what? I open my social media and I see someone say something ridiculous and I'm like, Pfft. and then I have to go. And it's like we talked yesterday about the armor of God. And I say yesterday, it was a week ago, but it felt like yesterday to me. And so we went a week ago, we talked about the armor of God. And remember what, what's in the place of the knees <laughs> in the armor? You got your belt of truth. You got your blessed breastplate of righteousness. You've got the helmet of salvation, the shield of faith, the sword of the spirit. And what's on the knees? That's where we get to pray. That's where we put ourselves down to pray, to pray. And we say, Lord, forgive me because I have sinned. And I have looked at all of them exactly the way those guys who drug that lady out with her pants down. And I've said, what should we do with her? Who wants this rose? Jesus wants the rose. He wants you. He wants me. He wants all of them. He wants all of them. People always ask me, are we in the end times? Because I mean, 2020 will prompt that question, right? And I always say, yep. And if you want to make it go faster, love your neighbor. If you want to make it go faster, serve the one that you hate. That's what Jesus said to do. Get on your knees below someone who considers themselves haughty and love them the way Jesus loved them. Remember what he did to Pontius Pilate? You remember? Everybody's like, what? wait, I don't remember. What did he do to Pontius? Did he do something to Pontius Pilate? No, he didn't. He submitted to him. And he let Pontius Pilate, by the authority of the Roman government, nail him to a cross for you and for me. And he has called us to go with him because he will save his people from their sins. And he wants to do it with us. John chapter three, verses 29 to 30. I want you to hear this because it's not just his story. It's your story. This is John the Baptist speaking. And he says, the one who has the bride is the bridegroom. The friend of the bridegroom who stands and hears him rejoices greatly at the bridegroom's voice. Therefore, this joy of mine is now complete. He must increase, but I must decrease. Now, everyone always remembers that last line. That becomes kind of a thing you put in your devotional journal. He must increase, I must decrease, and I get all that. But that's not what John the Baptist is talking about. Remember how we said we're going to talk a lot about sex today? Well, here it's going to continue in this passage. The culture and custom of their day was that you had the bride and the groom, and they would get together, and they would consummate the marriage, right? That's what they would do. And the way it would work is what we would call the best man and what we would call the, the bride of honor, the bridesmaid, excuse me, I can't speak, it won't come out, the maid of honor, that's what I'm trying to say. Anyway, they would stand on either side of the bridal chamber and they would wait to hear 
the groom's voice. You know, like when things got really good. And so <laughs> that's how it would work. This is exactly what John the Baptist is referring to when he talks about Jesus. Because you know who married a prostitute? Hosea did, but there's another bridegroom who did. There's another bridegroom who did. His name is Jesus. And he married you and me. And I know we feel weird about that. That's like weird language, especially considering this context. Hear the voice of the Son of Man. Jesus says those who hear the voice of the Son of Man have moved from death to life. And then he says, what does he say to his disciples on the night that he, his last night on earth, on this earth and in bodily form as we knew it? He says, they will know that you're my disciples because of your great doctrines. Nope, that isn't what he said. They will know that you're my disciples because you've got all your political ducks in a row. That isn't what he said. They will know that you are my disciples by your, it's a four-letter word, begins with L, love. This is who we're called to be. We are the bride of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And when, he, and when John the Baptist says he must increase because I'm going to decrease, he's saying he's the bridegroom. I, I was just the friend that got all this stuff set up. I was the best man at the wedding. That's, all he, that's what he needs. Now it's about him. It ain't about me anymore. Take a look at Hosea chapter 1, verse 11. And the children of Judah and the children of Israel shall be gathered together, and they shall appoint for themselves one head, and they shall go up from the land, for great shall be the day of Jezreel. What does this mean? Right? What does this mean? It's this idea of the story is happening now. It's still unfolding. And it's this idea that the children of Judah and the children of Israel shall be gathered together. Remember what he said about Judah? Judah, from Judah, in, with Judah, that's, they're cool. They will still have mercy, but not Israel. Because Israel rejected me. Israel went away from me. See, Jesus was born from the tribe of Judah in case you didn't know that. And so the, this, is, this is that line. And what does, what does, the, what does the, the, the lion of the tribe of Judah do? He wants to go save Israel, which are all the people in the world who rejected God. All the people who, who built, I don't know if you've ever studied the Old Testament, but you know what their, you know what their temples to their, to their foreign gods were, to their idols and to their, to their pagan gods? They were all like, you know, giant whorehouses. That's what they were, guys. That's exactly how this works. God is speaking to us straight today. He's, he's not holding anything back. He is telling us that even they, he wants to bring them back. He wants to bring them back. And he, where does he want to do it? He wants to do it in Jezreel. He wants to do it in a place that you and I would look at exactly the same way as the ground zero. A place where only death and destruction and evil had had its day. That's where he wants to do it. Because Jezreel might as well be a synonym for he will restore. He will restore. Take a look at Revelation 19, verses 7 and 8. Let us rejoice and exult and give him the glory. For the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his bride has made herself ready. It was granted to her, it was granted to her to clothe herself with fine linen, bright and pure, for the fine linen is the righteous deeds of the saints. You and I are saved by grace through faith, and this is not from ourselves, it is the gift of God. But you know what happens after that? We are called to go with Jesus. You and I are saved by grace through faith, and this is not from ourselves, it is the gift of God. For we were created in him to do good works. And what are those good works? 
You will know my, you, they will know that you are my disciples by your love. When we stand at the marriage, at the wedding, at the actual wedding ceremony, because it's going to happen, guys. You're like, isn't this all symbolic language or is this literal language? And I'm going to be like, yep. It's symbolic now, and the day's going to come when they, when they will actually blow the trumpets. And maybe, to our point earlier, that might be pretty soon. But until then, what are we to do? We are to be doing these righteous deeds of the saints. What are the righteous deeds of the saints? You know it. We already talked about it. Love your neighbor. And I'm not talking for God's sake. I'm not talking, oh, I'm going to be good for God and I'm going to go love my neighbor. I'm going to bake some, some cupcakes for my, my Democrat friend who thinks that black lives matter and I think that's all crap. You know, what? No. Take all your political line items, throw them out. Take all your positions of that you're worried about and they're all controversial, throw them out and look at them as a human being, not as a soiled prostitute. Because that's who they are. They are human beings made in the image of God, regardless of what their political statements or one-liners might be. They're our brothers and sisters, and we are called to unite with them because that is what God's plan has always been, to unite all things in heaven and all things in earth in Christ, the bridegroom, who wants you and me to live with him forever. Let's pray about that. Heavenly Father, we ask you boldly right now to remind us always that though we are unfaithful, you are faithful. Though we fail, you never fail. Though we have this urge to look at our neighbor and to cast them in a negative light, you do not. You don't cast us in a negative light. Even when our petals and our stem are broken and sideways and our pants are literally down. And we feel like trash. We feel like damaged goods. It is precisely then that you say, neither do I condemn you. Now go and leave your life of sin and love your neighbor as yourself. Give us this power. We ask you to give us this power, the power of the gospel, as we pray in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, your son, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen.